Hello, Marvelites. You're listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 538. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Agent of Chaos, Lorraine Sink. Beep, beep, beep. Fui, fui, fui. Speaking of chaos, Lorraine, I saw Ricky Purden last weekend, friend of the show, Marvel Comics Director of Talent. He lent me a VCR and software to digitize VHS tapes because I found a bunch of old home videos of uh, my family. Ten-year-old me, what a nightmare. Oh, man. I can only imagine. Release the tapes. (laughs) I had a haircut. I don't know what my, my mom, sweet, single mom, doing her best in her 30s, had let me have essentially a mullet. But like a Long Island mullet. Mullets were cool. Mullets were cool for a time. You have to remember that. It was like the 80s, early 90s. No. Rat tails were so big when I was like in seventh grade. Yeah, it was a mullet that really just turned into a rat tail at the bottom. And it was like long. And like I look at it and I feel it on the back of my neck. It was something crazy. I do believe at one point I had a rat tail. I never had the full short haircut to go with it, but I was like, no, I need to let this one piece grow long. Oh, why do people do this? Why? <laughs> so what do you got to share? What's on What's on Lorraine oh, Sink's world? Well, it was Valentine's Day this week. So my husband and I, we celebrated Valentine's Day. We had a nice dinner that we ordered in, and he took me to the bookstore, and he bought me D&D books and magazines, and then we watched a a sport. Which is a good segue, because we're going to get into some stuff that happened during the sport in a little bit. And this week on the show, we have a great guest coming on later, New York Times bestselling author Nick Stone, talking to us about her new podcast, The History of Marvel Comics Black Panther, which she's hosting, but... Before we get into that, Lorraine, let's talk about some big news. Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. As we saw, if you're watching a game, you might have noticed that that trailer dropped right there at the top. My husband was like, great, you're going to join me for this game. And then I was like, nope, too busy watching this trailer 50 times. Sorry. (laughs) But there were a lot of really cool new looks at the film. We got so much good Wanda and like Wanda dropping straight facts in that trailer and also like a certain cosmic type villain in there i mean there's so uh, america much. chavez we oh got i mean there's so 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 much so much yeah. it's so good we're very excited for it and and you know now with this new poster that came along with it i i feel like we haven't even scratched the surface Oh, yeah. I'm so excited for it. And of course, everyone can experience it in theaters only on May 6th, which is actually really soon. What a weekend that's going to be. My wife's birthday, free comic book day, and the release of Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Celebrate, y'all. Get excited. Also, something to get excited about, the new Marvel Studios Moon Knight TV spot and poster that was also revealed during the big sporting event. It, it was like a 30-second spot, mm-hmm. but man, it was jam-packed with really cool stuff. Yeah, honestly, my favorite thing in the entire spot was at one point you finally see his like full wingspan of his cape, yeah. and it looks so cool. I got like a little like, ooh, yeah, yeah, that does not Yeah. Also, if you were following Marvel social media, there is a cool slideshow of some of the images from the series. There's the most beautiful poster, you know, which Ryan mentioned, but it's really cool. It's got Oscar Isaac sort of looking in one direction and then the Moon Knight mask and cowl sort of 
half splitting his face, but also kind of turned to the side. It's sort of one of those like optical illusion-y kind of things. It was so cool. I could stare at it for like a long time. Um, And I did. Uh, but, (laughs) But check those out on Marvel Social. And of course, look out for Marvel Studios Moon Knight, March 30th, only on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, that's like less than six weeks away, which sometimes feels like a long time but really is not a long time very exciting coming so soon and even sooner like right now you can check out empire magazine which has moon knight on the cover inside there's interviews with cast and creative team i'm a huge fan of empire i love that magazine and their podcast is great and they do great coverage for marvel stuff so hooray empire Yeah, definitely go check out that magazine if you want some more inside scoops on the series. Also, we would be remiss if we did not mention the goat or the goats, the goats of Disney Plus. Yeah, there was a Disney Plus spot which had a goat president Loki who is truly something special. And you got to check that out. For everybody who likes to make sure they get to own their favorite movies, Marvel Studios Eternals is now available on digital and Blu-ray and a whole bunch of great editions. And of course, there's bonus features like deleted scenes, gag reel, audio commentary, tons more. Go check it out. Get it wherever you get your movies. Yeah, or you can learn more at DisneyMovieInsiders.com. Lorraine, something cool launched. Yeah, a Marvel-Pandora collab just launched this week. I believe there's also an influencer event in L.A., so keep an eye on your social medias. I'm sure at Marvel will be posting some cool stuff. The first product has been announced. Definitely go check it out. It's super cute. There are lots of little charms. There's like a very cute like Infinity Gauntlet-inspired ring. There's an Infinity Gauntlet charm. And then there's a bunch of heroes, Black Panther, Iron Man, Hulk, Black Widow. There's a cap shield that all have different little charms that you can put on a charm bracelet or on a necklace. They're super cute. Definitely check them out if you're in the market. Yeah. One thing I wanted to point out, even though it's now in the past, is if you are a sports fan, particularly of the NBA, we just had a Marvel superhero night for the Golden State Warriors. All fans who went to the Warriors versus Nuggets game on Wednesday, they got a Marvel superhero Draymond Green comic. They had Marvel cosplay, which was encouraged as fans came to the game. There was Marvel face painting and photo ops with Spidey and Black Widow, Black Panther. There were Marvel themed performances throughout the night. Super cool. We've done some stuff before with various sporting groups and organizations teams but i know that there are more marvel superhero nights coming soon not just in the nba there's one that's happening in another league which when i can officially talk about it i will marvel fans are everywhere there's tons of marvel fans who are you know doing professional sports and like you see them sometimes they'll do poses or they'll have gear on or they're just like fans of the comics and the movies and so i'm excited because we're going to see more of that so let us know if you're into sports as well as marvel i'm always excited to hear you know what teams you support and all that good stuff can i tell you that the golden state warriors i think it's the first professional basketball team I've seen play. I saw them play against the Knicks, which I should be more excited about because I'm from New York. But it was an amazing game. And I have to say, Steph Curry, I don't, you know, I don't know anything about sports, but Steph Curry is the coolest person to watch basketball in the whole world because he rules the court. He's incredible. And that's what I have to contribute to sports. That's the most I know. Yeah. I thought you were on ESPN just now. Lorraine, something I saw pop up this week, which I'm very excited about, is the return of Marvel internships. 
pals of ours over on Marvel Comics side of things, Lauren Amaro and Annalise Bisa. They shared the info and I, I saw it pop up that uh, Marvel Comics internships are now available. You can go to jobs.disneycareers.com. I shared the link out, but it is a virtual internship. It is open to U.S. work eligible Bachelor of Science and Bachelor of Arts students, and it is paid, which is always a good thing. Um, You know who is basically an expert on Marvel internships? Hmm. Professional intern, now professional Marvel employee, previously professional intern, Zachary. Producer Zachary, can you hop on and tell people why they should uh, consider a Marvel internship? It's fun. Perfect. There you, Succinct and excellent. You heard it from a real life former Marvel intern, but like we've got Marvel interns who've gone on to stay with the company and become vice presidents and do all kinds of stuff, go into amazing careers within and without the company. There are also internship opportunities for creative services, for brand and franchise. So again, yeah, go to jobs.disneycareers.com. You can search around and find it. You can find it on social media. But we want to meet the next generation of Marvelites, like professional Marvelites. All right, moving on. We have lots of cool comics coming this week. X-Men Unlimited number 22 is now available on Marvel Unlimited, written and drawn by Declan Shelby, friend of the show, friend to all. It's a four-part storyline, which is within the current Krakoan continuity. And the comic follows the initial Latitude story done by Shelby and Jonathan Hickman. Um, new chapters come out on Monday, so definitely check in, read that over on Marvel Unlimited. And, and don't forget, there's like new fabulous content on Marvel Unlimited every single week to read, not just the stuff that's getting posted, you know, from the regular comics line. Declan is so great. We love him as like a friend and a comic creator. Also, his excitement about Marvel Studios Moon Knight is so sweet and wonderful. <laughs> I love Deck. All right. Next up, we've got Marvel Fairy Tales Infinity Comic Number 1. That's also now available on Marvel Unlimited, written by Ryan North, friend also of the show. So many great sweet boys. Pencils by Jay Fosgate, colors by Ian Herring. And this is going to be a great story. It's a mashup of fairy tale and the Marvel Universe, like Peter Parker and the Beanstalk is going to be part one. So definitely check those out. I think they're going to be a really fun mashup. And anything that Ryan North writes is delightful. Ryan North, truly a special man. We're very happy to see him do more, 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 more. And I think Jay Fosgate has a, a very cool cartoony style that will work really well with this kind of story. Yeah. All right, let's get into some more news, bunch of announcements. Thunderbolts number one was announced recently. It is coming from writer Jim Zub and artist Sean Isaacs. We've got a new Thunderbolts led by Hawkeye. And on the team, you've got Spectrum, America Chavez, Power Man, Persuasion, who, if you don't know who Persuasion is, she was the purple lady, the daughter of Kilgrave. Super cool. I'm excited to see how she plays into this group. Plus, there's a debut of a new character called Guts and Glory, an experienced cyber soldier seeking new glory, which such a good name. I like his design, too, because he's got like this this mustache and this cool like cybernetic pieces. But his name is G-U-T-S-E-N and the last name Glory. So Guts and Glory. Guts and Glory. <laughs> Man, that is like an action figure, video game. Like that is everything right there. Nailed it. That's also a great drag name. Oh my gosh. Yes, a great drag name. Guts and Glory. Hell yeah. <laughs> so that's coming in May. Also coming in May is X-Men Legends number one. X-Men Legends is 
this series where we have, you know, the X-Men's like celebrated creators returning for new incontinuity stories set during classic runs. And so we, we, we had a whole first season of this. This is a new starting with a new number one in May. And it's written by Roy Thomas, Marvel legend. Former editor-in-chief after Stan Lee. Yeah, I mean, he's written, he wrote the X-Men. He wrote a million comics Mm -hmm. and drawn by Dave Wachter, who's been doing some really great stuff lately. But this one is really getting to dive into early Wolverine stories, which is pretty neat. Touching on Wolverine's government missions before getting recruited by Professor Xavier, tying into stuff from Wolverine's first appearance in Hulk 181, 182, how Wolverine got his original costume and so much more. Definitely look out for this May. Also coming this May, Marvel Voices Identity Number 1. It's going to be out May 11th. And this is going to feature some of the greatest Asian superheroes and creators just in time for Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Lots of awesome Asian superheroes from the comics, Ms. Marvel, Shang-Chi, Wong, Mantis, plus lots of surprises. There's also going to be some great talent spotlighted in this, so definitely look out for it May 11th. We always love these anthology series. Oh, and speaking of Marvel's voices, their podcast is back. Yeah, of course, hosted by our friend Angelique Roche. This is season five of Marvel's Voices. It launched last week, so make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your Marvel podcasts. This season is focused on the evolution of the Marvel mythos, and Angelique has interviews with creators such as Larry Hama, Nick Stone, uh, touching on characters like Miles Morales, Black Panther, The Thing, one of our producers, the mighty Isabel. She's been working really hard on this season, so definitely got to give it a listen. The first two episodes are out right now. We're celebrating these Marvel's Voices legacy books. We've got interviews in these episodes with legendary artist Brian Stelfreeze, who, one of the greatest, of course, and new talent, Torin Clark, who is terrific. He's been doing a lot of cover work for us. I sat down with Torin for a chat on Marvel's Pull List. So he's going to be popping up on Marvel's Pull List real soon. And speaking of Marvel's Pull List podcast, Lorraine, yeah, you showed up this week. I know. They tried to lock the door, but I got in. And now I'm <laughs> on the podcast. That's how it works. <laughs> no, it was so fun. Thank you for having me. It was super fun to talk with Ryan, obviously, all the time, as well as Jasmine Estrada about all of the official comic book announcements and things that are coming out that week, all the new books. I honestly had a blast because I forgot how much I miss just like sitting around and talking about comics after reading them. And it's so nice to read a comic and you're like, I have a lot of feelings about that and then have a forum to go and discuss it. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Definitely check it out. Thanks. Yeah, um, of course, Marvel's pull list is Marvel Comics official Marvel Comics podcast. It's official. It's us. It's what we do. We talk about the comics. We pick books. We tell you what to to check out, why you should check it out. Uh, I think Thor was my pick for the week. Thor number 22. It's got big Beta Ray Bill energy. Definitely go check that out. Lots more. Yeah. And then also on the show this week, we had guest Alyssa Wong coming on for our reading club to talk about tons of great Iron Fist comics because she's got a brand new Iron Fist series launching this week as well. She was a triple D ding dang delight to talk to. Yeah. We've also got Marvel's Wastelanders, Black Widow, Chapter 7, titled Temet Noske is now available. And in fact, you know what? Here's a sneak peek. Get in, Lisa. Where are we? Kim, drive us around the block a few times. Somewhere discreet. Is everything okay? How long have you known that Helen Black is the Black Widow? Don't you ever... 
talk to me like I'm that sorry. again. I'm sorry. I just don't get why you would bother coming back to the office. What is that supposed to mean? I have to get back to work. You lied to me. I'm not going to help you burn the one guy who can help me out of this mess. Oh, you're exposed, all right. I could shoot you right now and no one would care. There's no telling what she can pull off. Attention, all Decadome's residents. President Red Skull has just issued an urgent advisory. <laughs> Tonight's estimated storm surge is 81 feet. Lisa! Oh my god, look at that wave. You just heard the voices of Susan Sarandon as Black Widow, Nate Cordry as Jordan Temple, Melissa Gilbert as Kim, Chastin Harmon as Lisa Cartwright, Michael Imperioli as Stanley, and more. Plus, hey, we're going to have on Nate Cordry on the show next week, who is a delight. I'm sure you've seen him in lots of television programs. And of course, listen to those first seven episodes now exclusively on the SXM app and Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts. And of course, then episodes will be widely available one week later on Pandora, Stitcher, and all all other major podcast platforms in the U.S. Uh, learn more at marvel.com slash wastelanders. And we have one more podcast to talk about, which is the history of Marvel Comics Black Panther. We mentioned it at the top of the show. But the first two episodes, Origins and Back to Wakanda, are now available to subscribers on the Sirius XM app and Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts. And we've got samples for you. We want to give you a little listen to what this series is going to be like. So let's listen to a clip right now. We have an excerpt from Nick Stone's conversation with writer John Jennings. I think it was a foolish endeavor to not have a character talking about those issues in some way, regardless of what the fans are thinking. I mean, so this is the thing. This is where, like, politics and fandom and fantasy kind of collide. Yeah, I think you have to do it in some way. Because my whole thing is, like, if, if you're creating characters that stand up for truth and justice in the American way, the real American way, then you should be fighting for everyone. Ryan, that was good. But you know what would be even better? Another clip? Yeah! Let's hear a clip right now with writer Don McGregor. Killmonger was not accepted by Marvel Comics and by editorial the way he is, you know, these days with the movie. They weren't used to a black character that was that angry, uh, that was that strong. And I wanted a character that as soon as you saw him, you know, you say, how how the hell is Chala going to beat this guy? Mind you, T'Challa was and always has been written as the antithesis of the angry black man stereotype. So the introduction of Killmonger as his adversary was pretty bold. And of course, those clips are just little samples. You can also hear a preview of the show. If you are obviously listening to this uh, to this week in Marvel, you saw it pop up in your feed this week. It's also in the feed for Marvel's pull list. It's a little six minute sample getting your feet wet about what the show's got in store for you. It's going to be really exciting. Episodes will be widely available one week later on Pandora, Stitcher and all major podcast platforms in the U.S. To learn more, you can go to SiriusXM.com slash Black Panther. Well, Ryan, I think that is the perfect segue to our interview with New York Times bestselling author and now co-Marvel podcaster, um, one of our team, Nick Stone. Yeah, let's talk with Nick about the podcast, people she got to talk to, and her new Shuri book, Symbiosis. So let's talk with Nick right now. We're so lucky this week because we have a fellow podcaster and author of many illustrious books here joining us on This Week in Marvel, Nick Stone. Hey, Nick. 
Oh, hey, it's weird to be called a fellow podcaster, but I guess that's true now. Yeah, Not welcome. just a fellow podcaster, but also a fellow Marvelite. Be- yes. Between your, your Marvel podcast work and your Marvel writing work. I mean, that's official right there. Listen, the dream is real. <laughs> Speaking of the dream, we would love to know, what is your Marvel origin story? How'd you first get connected to the characters, the worlds, the universes, all that good stuff? Hashtag storm. <laughs> so when I was a kid, before I got into the comics, I was watching cartoons. And second grade, I think, I used to race my best friend home from school because whoever got to my grandmother's house first got to be storm that afternoon. <laughs> and you know, when you're a kid, it's funny, like I have my own children now and I watch them I'm this person or like, I'm the dog or I'm Batman. Like, and I remember being that kid and like wanting to be the person that I was watching on TV. And Storm was the only black character that we had. So she was everything. And yeah, I was like seven, I guess. Yeah. But you now have had, you know, quite a lot of contact with Marvel, as Ryan said, you're podcasting, you write books. How did you get involved with the Marvel writing world and what was that evolution like? You know, what I like to tell young people, because I visit a lot of high schools and middle schools, is just do your job because that's how (laughs) I wound up here. You know, like I was just doing my regular writing job. I write young adult and middle grade fiction for the most part, mostly contemporary. And I got an email one day asking me if I wanted to do a book series about Shuri, the little sister of Black Panther. And I screamed in an airport and <laughs> scared everybody around me in like, I was in like Amarillo, Texas. So you can imagine the small size of the airport and how everybody was looking like, is this woman okay? But yeah, I was just writing, doing what I was supposed to do. And there we go. I love that. Tell us a little bit about the biggest, newest project for you with Marvel, which is the official Marvel podcast, The History of Marvel Comics Black Panther. Tell us a bit about it, please. The fact that I like didn't die from from all of these incredible interviews I got to do. We spent like a good six to seven months last year recording the episodes for this podcast. And like, I got to talk to so many of my heroes, my comic heroes, like Granted, I write prose. I've tried to write comics. It just doesn't work, which is fine because Marvel's fine with me writing prose novels. Thank goodness. But getting to talk to people like Reginald Hudland and Don McGregor, who I call Papa Don, like just getting to like talk to the creators of some of my favorite characters, there's nothing like it in the world. So yeah, we're going through the history of Black Panther in the comic universe, you know, starting back in 1966 when he makes his first appearance with the Fantastic Four. Because though T'Challa is like this bastion of cultural relevance right now, I know a lot of people don't know where he actually came from. So it was exciting to get to be a part of getting that history out into the world. It's so interesting because obviously in the series, you're following the history of T'Challa, which is like linear time, which is a great way to follow a story. (laughs) But also you tackle some really interesting topics that come up along the way and the thought processes that those stories evoke and what's happening culturally in the time. What were some of the topics that you found that were really interesting that you got to tackle throughout the series? Yeah. So honestly, my favorite thing about the series is watching T'Challa like become a person, right? So like he starts out as 
this kind of hokey dude who invites the Fantastic Four to Wakanda basically so he can beat them up, which is great. But also, like, who are you as a person? And watching him evolve over the years as he goes from creator to creator was really cool. Something that I really enjoyed learning more about was how tricky it was initially for this black superhero to kind of gain any traction. Before he had his first solo series, he was an Avenger. And a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't realize that T'Challa was an Avenger before he was like the Black Panther standing on his own feet. And learning about Don McGregor's run, Don McGregor invented, created, however you want to call it, Killmonger. And so like hearing how he faced a lot of pushback setting stories in Wakanda because there would be no white people. And this is like the 1970s. Like it was just really interesting seeing how this African character was able to kind of gain a footing in a world that was typically really, really white. Tell us a little bit more about Don McGregor and how did you come to call him Papa Don? Oh, it's so cute. Oh my God. He is like the (laughs) sweetest man ever, first of all. So we're on our interview and I was like, I'm going to call you Papa Don. I just said it. And he's like, (laughs) he's like, huh, nobody's ever called me that before. And I was like, yeah, and I'm the only one who can do it now. So there you have it. But he is just the sweetest man. And like, it's interesting writing the contemporary stuff I do right now because we're in this really funky period with public education and people being afraid to talk about things like race and racism and slavery and like actual American history. So to hear about this man who was quote unquote woke before woke was a thing, I was just blown away talking to him and listening to him and hearing his perspectives on things. You know, like he's always been about inclusivity and that actually gave me a lot of hope to know that there were people slightly post-civil rights who were about making sure there were brown skin characters saving the day in comic books way back then. Like, that's awesome to me. So he will forever be pretty high on my list of real superheroes. Papa Don will. So someone you get to talk about in the series is Billy Graham and his contributions, which doesn't always, you know, we don't always get to hear about that as much. What was it like going in and learning more about his contributions? Yeah. So for those who are unaware, Billy Graham was the first African-American artist to draw for Marvel. And he worked with Don McGregor on that first solo Black Panther series. And the way this man was and is revered in the comic community, even way back then, again, is one of those, it's one of those things that gives me hope that we can exist not only in peace, but like with respect for one another. And we Mm -hmm. can admire each other's gifts. And there is space for everyone to thrive in their giftings. And I mean, Billy Graham just... If you look at some of these older Black Panther comics, the way that he drew motion, like, so I can't draw to save my life. Let me just put that out there. Like, me and stick figures don't even get along. So to have someone step into a space where he was like, not only the first, but the only, at a time like that one, I'm just like, okay. Like I said, it gives me some hope. It makes me feel encouraged, right? So- Learning about him, learning about all of these people that came after him because he was able to break a ceiling, this is what it's about for me. 
of course, you talk about Reginald Hudlin, you mentioned Don, and there's, I'm sure you talked to Priest and a million amazing writers. But before we get to Priest, who are some of the other artists that you got to talk to about Black Panther, the visual evolution of the character, and Wakanda? So yeah, another artist I got to talk to was John Romita Jr., whose father also was a massively huge comic book artist. And just hearing about the way artists use color and lines. And like, if you look at the different people who are writing these comics and you look at the different artists through these iterations and these different runs, right? So there's the McGregor run, there's the Priest run, there's the Hudlin run, there's the Coates run. Now we're in the Ridley run. They're all fantastic. And the artists in each one, they all bring something different to the table. And my favorite thing is getting to talk to both the artists and the writers, hearing about this this like synergistic relationship and how collaborative creating this character, creating his world, creating everyone around him, creating these conflicts. I'm super, super extroverted. And collaboration is like my favorite thing on earth. I couldn't do anything that I do without other people. So just hearing about how artists and writers have to kind of play off of each other. I don't know, like just doing this whole podcast gave me so much hope, right? Especially at a time like this one, when it's like everybody's at each other's throats, people don't really want to talk to each other. There's a lot of rage, which is totally understandable. And also we are going to have to kind of come together in order for the world to become a better place and for anybody to make forward progress. So learning about these synergistic relationships that have been going on since the 1970s, like that was awesome. And I will carry it forward with me. I thought it was really interesting in the first episode when you were talking about like the tensions in America that are still so similar. (laughs) You know, I was thinking back also on something you said about collaboration and how Papa Don McGregor, which is now his like unofficial Marvel name, (laughs) um, you know, how he spent so much time working on the details of Wakanda and like what it was like in a lush area with many different places to play in and tell stories within. And I just was blown away by how many of these like interesting sort of facts and lessons that I learned in just listening Do you have anything that you learned doing this podcast that you thought were really surprising or super interesting you could share? Yeah. Okay. So one of my favorite people to talk to was Christopher Priest. And part of the reason I enjoyed talking to him was because Priest is really the person who did his best to make sure people who were not Black would latch on to Black Panther here in the 21st century, in the 20th century and like on into the 21st century. So... His run, we meet this iteration of T'Challa who is just real cool. He's witty. He's he's the kind of person that I think anyone could root for. And learning that Priest was very, very intentional about what he put on the page and what he kept off. Like, obviously, as a writer, that's true. But learning just how intentional he was, specifically with things around, like, race and how T'Challa presented himself and the challenges that he faced, that was a thing that I did find kind of surprising simply because of the time that he was writing the character. You know, you're like the 90s, you're like, oh yeah, we've made all this progress, et cetera, et cetera. But Priest made it pretty clear, like there was still a ways to go. 
And it was his run that kind of kicked open the door for T'Challa to take on a new kind of blackness, like a blackness that black Americans can relate to. So like when you go into the next run, which is Hudlin's run, you meet like the coolest T'Challa there is, like MTV Cribs style, hip hop rooted T'Challa. And I love that. But it's like, if not for what Priest was able to do and the fan base he was able to create, I'm not sure that the Hudlin T'Challa could have existed. Mm. Not just the Hudlin T'Challa, but sort of our conception of who T'Challa is. Mm -hmm. Like everybody in the world knows Black Panther now, thanks to one of the biggest and best movies of all time, but a spiritually and thematically and emotionally that run and that depiction of T'Challa to me is the most important part of what goes into what the greater world thinks about when they think of T'Challa. So yeah, it's hard to overstate the importance of Christopher Priest's run on yeah. Black Panther. Yeah, I agree. And then obviously the Hudlin run after like gave us Shuri. So of course I'm like, <laughs> obviously you're like pretty high up there on my list of comic creators because you created pretty much my favorite comic character of all time. And recognizing that this is a man who was like, wait, we need to like rejuge the backstory. Like we need some some siblings. Like we need like a sister. I really appreciated that. And then we go into Coates' run where we get this expansion on the world of Wakanda. And then he's in outer space. We have this intergalactic empire. And now Ridley's got him like the head of the Avengers again. It's just like, it's amazing watching the way T'Challa grows with every set of hands that are there to kind of shape and mold him. It is really awesome. And I cannot wait to see the next movie. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned the 1970s. And I, I want to make sure we don't skip over too much because also a name we haven't touched on is Jack Kirby. And mm -hmm. there's some very important time frame where Jack comes in and, and part of his return to Marvel is Black Panther and some of the most visually dynamic comic books ever produced by Marvel right there. Yeah, absolutely. The interesting thing, though, about that particular run, it was such a major departure from what Don McGregor had been doing, right? So when you read it, if you decide to read these comic runs in order, which I cannot recommend more highly, friends, it's a really good thing to do. Take you a weekend. It's not going to like eat your whole life. Seeing the difference between what McGregor was doing and then what Kirby came in and kind of did. And then we go to Priest. There's like a few issues in there that are written by none of the people that I've mentioned. But you go from McGregor to Kirby to Priest, and it is quite a roller coaster. But you're right about the, the visual aspect of really the comic series in general and seeing how comics have changed over time and how they've gotten more detailed and less cartoony. And it makes me think about the Olympics. You watch the Olympics, like watch the gymnastics from like the 1980s, and then you watch gymnastics today, and it's like are we mutants now? Like, how, yeah. did we, how did we go from a round off back handspring back tuck was like the highest level of difficulty ever. And now it's like round off back handspring, full front handspring, back handspring tuck. Like, it's just like wild to me. And I see the same thing looking at comics and looking at how the art has evolved over time. It's such a fun medium. And I wish more people, I know a lot of people who are into the films and I'm like, but you should read the comics. Like there's so mm. much, so much in there that you can't capture in a two-hour movie. 
Well, and it's so interesting because you're in such a fortunate position where you can really look at all of history mm-hmm. and then also get to talk to not only the folks who are making it, but some experts in the field. Who are some of the folks that you got to talk to on the expert side? Because a lot of people know stuff about comics. There are a lot of people who know stuff about <laughs> comics. I got to talk to a lot of people. I got to talk to Ben Saunders, who is basically a professor of comic lore, which is like the <laughs> coolest job ever. I got to talk to Stephanie Williams, who refers to herself as a comic book reckoner. And I could not agree more <laughs> when you think about the kind of critical thinking and critique that she does in comic spaces. I got to talk to John Jennings, who not only is a comic creator, but is also an academic. He also teaches really cool kind of art, comic history, things like that. And all of these people, it just made me super proud to be a nerd. (laughs) Because it's like only in the past, what, decade has nerdery become really, really cool. But yeah, it was totally a nerd when I was a kid. And it wasn't cool back then. And now I'm like, okay, but now the nerds are making all the money. So perhaps we were on the right track in the first place. And we get to talk about comic books all the time. And these really fun stories. And we're basically talking about adult picture books. And who could complain about that? Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Just thinking about that perspective on things. My daughter, she's mixed race. And I want to make sure she has a lot of representation in Mm -hmm. in all her media. And it's so cool because we have Spidey and his amazing friends right now. And you have Ms. Marvel and you have Hulk, but Black Panther in like the first or second episode. And she knows Black Panther now as a two-year-old. And she has a Black Panther little action figure and a Black Panther like plush. And it makes me so happy. Yeah. And like we nerds won and we're able to spread this joy to the next generation so easily. Absolutely. Watching my kids, I can always tell when my kids are watching either Black Panther or Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse because my whole house will shake for a (laughs) solid two hours. They are up on the couch. My five-year-old especially, he climbs up on the arm of the couch and he shoots his webs as he jumps off and crashes to the floor. The other one's like flipping over the pillows and I just have to stay out of the room so that I don't like (laughs) panic that somebody's going to break something. The little one did break a foot at one point trying to be, I don't know who he was trying to be that particular day, but seeing that my kids have these people that they can look up to that look like them. Oh my goodness. It's incredible. It is. It really is. I imagine too, you know, you write a lot of middle grade and YA books. You have kids in the home. (laughs) You're connecting with kids in a big way, which I think is really incredible. And I love your work with Shuri, obviously. We would be remiss not to talk about her. Obviously, I mean, she's kind of like the best character, but what, what attracted you to that character initially and why did you want to write about her? Man, she reminded me so much of me. So I actually, when I saw the film, I left the theater like, yo, because you know, in the (laughs) comics, when she's introduced in the comics, she's an adult. So seeing her as this like 16 year old, snarky, witty genius was just like, oh my gosh, there's me on a screen. Because I was that kid in in seventh grade reading Michael Crichton books. Like, who does that? (laughs) It's like (laughs) hardcore adult science fiction. And I was obsessed with it, right? So seeing this character who knows so many things, the way that her mind works, and I say all of this as a person who had to live inside of it for a while, the number of people I had to consult to create one character was bananas. Like cyber tech 
professionals, somebody who knew about electromagnetism, physicists, psychiatrists. Like I had to talk to all of these people to create the knowledge base for this one girl. And that is amazing to me. So as this nerd girl in like seventh through 12th grade, finally seeing a nerd girl who was really cool and making things and basically keeping her country together with technology, let's be honest, that's really what drew me to her. And it was really exciting getting to write a character like me. Heck yeah. It's pretty cool. Did your work on the Shari novels, because you've been working on them for a little while, did that affect how you thought about or approached the Black Panther podcast? Slightly. I mean, I will say that having spent time in the Wakanda of my imagination definitely gave me a bit of a foundation for like, I really was curious about how Wakanda became what it is, right? Like the Wakanda of our imaginations is one thing, but where did it come from? So something that I noticed was like, there was no actual representation of the Jabari lands in comics or in films. And I noticed this because I needed to write about them in this last Shuri book. I think there's like one image of a shadow of the Jabari lands in one run and they're mentioned a lot. And we know that from the film, that's where M'Baku's got his ice fortress, whatever, but actually like creating produce and like buildings and places where people live. I was like, oh, this is how these kinds of things become what they are. And this collective imagination, or it's not even collective, it's like we build upon each other's imaginations to create such beautiful things. And how amazing would it be to do that with like the social world, you know? Can we build on each other's imaginations to create a world that's great to everybody? Man, I love that. That is awesome. Well, before we allow you to escape into the wild and, 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 and to go live life, is there anything you want to share with Marvel fans who are going to go check out the podcast? I want everybody to go read Ridley's run. It like just started and it is fantastic. Also, I know there were a couple of sprinklings in there that I'm sure people missed. Like Evan Narciss did like this very small, oh my God, it was amazing. And then there's like a Killmonger run that is just fantastic. So like all of these stories are out there for our consumption. And I think we should do a better job of actually consuming them. I love that. Also, shout out to Evan Narciss, who I co-hosted Marvel's Declassified with. And his Black Panther run is awesome. If you want to know like his history growing up mm-hmm. and his family life is definitely really great. With that in mind, last question, I think. Now, having read the entirety of Black Panther's history at Marvel Comics and putting it into this podcast, because there are stories like Evans that take place in the past and there's a lot of, you know, we go and we build on different things. They find new threads to build stories on in these comics. Would you suggest someone read, as you mentioned earlier, from order of publication or try to find an almost chronological history of T'Challa to read? I honestly think that people should do what works for them. For me, reading it chronologically was fun, but then I went back and read it in order of, because I mean, T'Challa's got like multiple origin stories and then Evan takes it and he coalesces it all together. It's really sexy. I'm not even going to lie. Like it's, <laughs> it's amazing. But 
just read them. However you decide to read them, if you decide to read McGregor's first, if you decide to go back and read all of the Fantastic Four and the Avengers before he gets his own thing, if you decide you want to start with Hudlin, start with Hudlin, you want to start with Coates, start with Coates. I'm super into the Ridley right now. Like wherever you want to start, start there. Amen to that. Nick, thank you so much for chatting with us. And of course, everyone go listen to the history of Marvel Comics' Black Panther. Everyone, be sure to check out the history of Marvel Comics' Black Panther, the first two episodes, Origins, and Back to Wakanda are now available to subscribers on the SiriusXM app and Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts. Nick is the best, but we got to keep on moving because next week our guest on the show will be Nate Cordry, who we mentioned earlier, from Marvel's Wastelanders, Black Widow. And we got to think of a question of the week. And Lorraine, I'm taking a left turn because this week... So friggin' big with the release of the trailer for Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So with that in mind, I think our question of the week should be, what was your favorite moment from the new trailer for Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? You can tweet your answers using the hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel, email them to TwinPodcast at Marvel.com, or you could send us a message on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash ThisWeekInMarvel. And of course, please make sure to tell us if they are quote-unquote okay to read. And a friendly reminder, don't speculate, because we won't read it. <laughs> yeah, we like you, you, if you say, oh, this character is this thing, and nothing's been revealed, then we ain't going down that road, y'all. There are so many great moments to choose from. I'm excited to see Wanda in this movie and to get a a bigger look at her and what she's been up to. So very exciting. Yes, there's so much Wanda in that. So good. So much exciting stuff. Again, let us know what your favorite moment from the brand new trailer for Marvel Studios, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is. Use that hashtag this week in Marvel. Email us, Facebook us. But no matter what. Mark it okay to read on the show. Like those of you who did and gave us answers to last week's question of the week, which was, what is your favorite Black Panther story of all time? And first up, I want to say sorry to Heather G at the underscore original. Wow. (laughs) That's, I. you know what, Heather, you know who I'm talking to. They said... Lorraine stole my answer. My favorite Black Panther story is Black Panther's quest on Avengers Assemble. T'Challa got the much-deserved spotlight that season. Second would be T'Challa Star-Lord. Uh, hashtag chef's kiss. It's so good. That episode is so good. Oh, of Marvel oh. Studios' What If. Tremendous. Tremendous. Sterling Stokes Jr. at S. Stokes Jr. tweeted, Ta-Nehisi Coates' entire run. Excellent from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Cannot disagree. Next up, Hellfire Club at Jarell Zod said, Original Hudlin's Black Panther Volume 4, 2005, number 18. I knew T'Challa, but Hudlin made him one of my favorite characters. Wakanda forever. Storm and T'Challa belong together. Jarell, definitely read the current run of Black Panther by John Ridley and crew. There's there's some Black Panther Storm stuff that happens in the last like two issues. I was like, ooh, 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 so good. Maru Holloway at Maru Holloway tweeted this, quote, bury me in the ocean with my ancestors that jumped from the ships because they knew death was better than bondage, end quote. Oh, what a line. Oh, it's, Tremendous line. Yeah. Shout out to Ryan Coogler, director, writer of that film for a beautiful line. 
Shady at Shady Dev says, As you can see, I am not dead. Iconic line. We've got another one which says, Don't know if it counts, but love the whole story arc of Doctor Doom taking over Wakanda. If it doesn't, then one of the many times Black Panther was at war with Namor. Always a sucker for those stories. Doom War is one of my favorites. It includes one of my favorite images of all time, which is when... Doom like cuts Black Panther off at the pass. Black Panther goes to where he thinks Doom is. And there's just an enormous concrete wall that has been engraved with the words checkmate. Yeah. Oh, man. There's so much good stuff in there. <laughs> oh, that's really good. Black Panther having rivals of Doom and Namor. Three of mm-hmm. the most iconic best characters at Marvel. And they just they're most times at odds, sometimes working together. Tremendous, tremendous stuff. I love a king fight, you know? Yes. Kings, kings, kings. All right. Next up, we've got this one from Carrot Scraps at Carrot Scraps, which says, the entire Jonathan Hickman Avengers run. Some of my favorite Black Panther stories and characterization ever. Heck yeah. Man, someday I need a million hours of extra time because I want to go back and reread that lead up to Secret Wars from Mm -hmm. all that Avengers stuff. Some of my favorite comics ever. Next up, we've got an email from our pal Grayson Woznesensky. My favorite Black Panther storyline is the first Marvel Studios Black Panther movie, Wakanda Forever. Easy peasy, well said. We got an email from Jake Bolton, and Jake says, This is Jake Bolton. I'm still new to Black Panther stories, but my fave so far has to be the intergalactic empire of Wakanda for the simple fact of the beginning when he has no memory of who he is or anything and he still helps without hesitation in a strange place he didn't really know. It shows his character as a person. I agree, Jake. And then Jake adds a PS. We need a podcast of old man Logan with Benjamin Percy voicing. That would be amazing. Yeah, we've been talking about that over on um, Marvel's Pull List because we had Benjamin on the show. And uh, there's been multiple requests for Mr. <laughs> Percy to do some stuff. Um, maybe someday we'll we'll get him on the show. It's been a big one, but it is time to say goodbye because this episode of This Week in Marvel is produced by Zachary Goldberg, Isabel Robertson, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our senior manager of audio production and development is Brad Barton. And Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And special thanks to Wakanda Forever. Wakanda Forever, a rescue for big cats. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. This is Marvel. Your universe. Guts and glory. 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 <laughs> <laughs>